Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys today? Good. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm glad to be here. Actually, I got got something from my backpack. Anybody knows? I lost them already. Can you believe it? You know what? Can I have some AirPods? One of you have AirPods that I can show? Oh, you know what? I have them right here. (laughs) See, I was just playing with them. Anyway, so you guys know what AirPods are, right? Just headphones and... And now, nowadays, they have this beautiful wireless type of headphones that you can just put in your ear. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's there, right? And they're great. But uh, a few days ago, just like Matt was saying, I like woodworking. And part of that is you get to finish uh, wood, right? You get to finish products. And, and so I'm building this bookcase for a friend of ours. And, and I had to paint it. Now, i got to paint it. And, and as I was painting them, you know, they're pretty big bookcases, if you will. So I was under, let me show you right here. I know the video's right there. But I was kind of, kind of going this way with my headphones on right here, right? So I'm painting under. And as I'm painting, I had the bucket of paint right below me, right? True story. This happened. You can ask my wife. But I'm painting here. As I'm painting, I kind of felt that, you know, the air, you know, the, the AirPods moving slowly and slowly. And you can guess what happened. It did happen. This one right here fell on the paint. It was white paint, by the way. These things are white. And, and for some reason, it took so much weight because it sank to the bottom immediately. I mean, you know, paint is pretty thick. But I mean, this thing just went through it to the bottom. And so just for a second, I mean, literally, I just looked at the paint for a second. I was like, what just happened? And I just stick my hand inside. I grabbed the thing. Now I have my hand full of paint, but my headphone is in there. So I ran inside the house. Literally, the only thing that I thought to do is like, I'm just going to wash it, right? So I just put it under the water. Like there's water on top of this thing. I'm washing trying to bring it off. My wife is upstairs with the kids. And I was like, now this thing is wet. I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. So finally, I got, some, I got a cup of rice. And I just stick that thing in the rice. Funny enough, as that's happening, the music's still playing. Like, this music playing through the headphone. I can hear it. I literally put my rice to my ear. I can hear it playing. It's, like, okay, it's not fully broken yet. But I'm happy to say that it's been about, what, maybe a week or so, and it's still working. So somehow, the water didn't break. That's right. Give it up for the headphones. But uh, I don't know about you, but that's a prime example of misplacing something. Now, obviously, I didn't do it on purpose. I I didn't want the headphone to go there, but it was truly misplaced. So today, I want to talk to you about misplacing your worship. Because whether you do it on purpose or unintentionally, you can very easily put your worship in the place that it doesn't belong. And just like I did with my headphone, I wasn't trying, but it happened. Now, real quick, my wife is back there with my kiddos, but you know, I want to show a picture of them. I coast on myself, Sandy, Eric, and Emmy. Uh, and so we're thankful to be here with, with you guys, and great job on the worship team. Uh, it was awesome to, to be reminded that Jesus is the center. And that's truly what I want to teach you today, what I want to remind you today, is that Jesus is worth following. Now, one of the things that's important, and we were having a conversation this morning, I was listening to the conversation this morning, but we need to place high value in what the scripture teaches us. That's really our guide, you know, because ultimately we live in a society that can't say, well, you live your truth and I live mine. But if if we do that, who is the arbitrator? Who is the one to say what is true and what it isn't? Therefore, for us Christians, for those who believe in the Bible, 
We believe that the scriptures are our guide. They are our, our boundaries. And not only that, but they have a message that was intended to communicate something. They're not just words on the, on, on the pages. They're not just somebody who thought of a cool thing to write. But there's a message that was intended to be communicated to us at first. So as we jumped into this passage, and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to go there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to see what the Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Corinthian, uh, Corinth, if you will. And one of the cool things with this one, I encourage you to, you know, to go and, and, and read and, and, and study a little bit more. But uh, there's actually something happening in this church at this time where there were some apostles that he will call, Paul will call super apostles. So kind of like a superhero, super apostles. So he was actually making fun of them because they will come to the church of Corinth and say, hey guys, look at me. I'm great. Like I know how to speak very well. I know how to do some magic tricks even. Like I can show you the power of God, quote unquote. And so Paul is like, I'm not like them. I'm not a super apostle. Like, I'm not a great speaker. Uh, I'm actually just going to show you the power of Jesus. That's truly the one who's going to change everything. But then you guys, he's what Paul is saying, you guys at the church of Corinth, you're looking at them and you're saying, but I kind of want to be cool like them. I kind of want to be more, more like the society. I want to be in with everybody else. Now, I don't know about you. I work with students and even myself, I struggle with this. I want to be part of the group. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be excluded. I don't want to be rejected, right? I want to, you know, wearing the hey dudes like my pastor is. You know, I want to be cool, right? We all want to be part of the group, if you will. But if we're not careful, we can actually misplace our worship in pursuit of being with the group, in pursuit of being with the rest. So my hope and my reminder is that you won't do that today. Now, here's the truth and my main point, if you will. You can write this down if you take notes. Our placement of worship reveals what matters most in your heart. Where you place your worship, where you place that thing that you care for the most, is going to tell you, is going to tell me, is going to tell us what really matters in your heart. Now, before we go deeper, I think we've got to talk about what worship is, right? Because if you grew up in the church like I have, or if you're new to the church, you might hear the term praise and worship, right? And so we talk about praising Jesus. We just did it through prayer. Uh, we said words that were uh, words of affirmation, words that we believe in. That's praising God. But then we also talk about worship God. Now, a resource that I want to give you, my students know this already, but it's uh, gotquestions.org. You can go there. It's a lot of questions that you can ask to get some answers. But here's the definition of worship. Uh, worship is a wholehearted commitment to what we deem most important. So you can actually worship literally anything. If you think that is important, you can actually worship it. In fact, God Question says that worship leads to the conviction that worship is a lifestyle, not a moment in time. So this moment that we just had, that is not the only thing that we worship. It's actually how you live. Our lives are to be dedicated to the worship and service of God. My man said this right here when we were uh, leading worship, and that's great. Worship is to be more than a temporary experience-oriented activity on Sunday, after which we revert to a normal, quote-unquote, life to the rest of the week. True worship is constant inner praise to the God of Scripture, expressed in prayer, in song, in service, in giving, and in living. So, to simplify things, worship is how you live. The way that you live your life tells you what you worship. If you live 
you earn a paycheck, perhaps your paycheck is what you worship. If you earn, if you live and wake up every morning thinking, man, I can wait to get home so I can do this, that might be the thing that you worship. And the reality is that all of us have a tendency to worship different things. In fact, Paul tells us about this. So again, whatever is most important to you is what you are committed to, or you're most committed to. So I ask you, rhetorical question, what is most important to you? If I were to ask you that, how would you fill in the blank? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it your status? Is it your follow? What, what is it? What is most important to you today? Because again, our placement of worship reveals what matters most in our hearts. If I'm honest with myself, I can definitely look at the last week and see how I spent my time, my week, and realize some of those things were not things that would give glory to God. Maybe were things that were just better in me, that were making me a better person, or maybe I was just seeking to rest, lay on my couch for a little bit, take a nap. Who knows? But the way that you spend your time matters. This way, the way that you spend your resources matters. So I have three principles that I want to share with you. Here's principle number one. You can write this down. And it's this. Worship demands devotion. Worship to God demands devotion. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this. I hope you will put out with me in a little foolishness. This is, uh, this is sarcastic, if you will. He's not actually going to do something foolish. But it's like, hey, will you put out with me? Yes, please put out with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So he's saying this, me as an apostle to this church, the church of the Jews in Corinth, I'm coming to you and I want to present to you uh, a devotion that actually represents marriage. If you think about it, he's using this, your husband Christ. So basically, Paul is elevating marriage because marriage is about commitment. When you say, hey, I picked this person to be committed for the rest of my life. In fact, uh, we actually have an anniversary in the house. We got Jake and Becca. Uh, and Jake and Becca have been married for a whole one year. 365 days of pure commitment. Can you believe it? Uh, and and but that's the reality, though. That marriage is a picture of commitment, right? Nobody wants to be married to somebody who's like, you know what? I kind of like you, but, but I don't read it. Nobody wants that, right? Uh, in fact, he's saying... We as a church ought to be committed, devoted, purely to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so what he's saying, worship, your lifestyle demands your commitment. It demands your devotion. To who? To Christ. Otherwise, you can misplace that. We all know of many, many marriages who have ended in, in a place that wasn't committed, right? In a place that was unfaithfulness, in a place that, that were separated because somebody said, you're not the most important in my life. I actually, I am most important in my life or somebody else is. What Paul is saying is, if we as believers believe that God is the most important, we're going to be committed to him. We're going to be devoted to him. Meaning all of my time, all of my resources, everything is going to go through Christ first. Jesus is at the center. Everything starts with Jesus. Now, just like in a marriage, though, and if you're not married now, you at some point might find out that you still have two individual people, right? So there's times where I'll be by myself. Perhaps there's times when I'm still pursuing some of the desires that I want. 
but never at the expense of my wife, never at the expense of my family. There's a devotion, a commitment that always begins, you know what, I need to check with my wife. In fact, when my friends say, hey, you want to go play this golf? I usually say, well, uh, I need to check with Tandy, right? Because my devotion first goes to my wife. And so the question to you is, how often do you check with Christ? How often are you saying, well, before I do that, I got to check with Christ. Before I, I say that, I, I got to go and see if my devotion is going to be broken, shattered. If somehow God will lose his first place in my life because of my desire to do something else. Why? Because our placement of worship reveals what matters most in your hearts. This is very important. If you uh, look at your devotion to God and it's not God, that can tell you whether God is important to you or not. It's pretty simple. Uh, in fact, we see that uh, in the people of Israel, and we're going go to go to that at the end. But I want you to keep remember that worship to God demands devotion. Not only that, but worship to God demands rejection. Paul keeps saying, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit that you receive, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily. And this is the word that I highlighted, easily. Because it was happening. Again, the church of Corinth will receive some apostles, quote-unquote. They will come in the name of God. They will come in the name of a higher power. And they will be like, oh, that's cool. I believe you. But then Paul is saying, hold on. Why are you putting up so easily? Like, you already know what the truth is. You know, we got the Bible. The Bible is true. At that point, they will have the apostles that have been uh, commanded by God, by the church. But yet, the church will be, it's like, you know what, that's kind of cool. I kind of like that. And in fact, we're kind of seeing that a lot more in our country today. It's the idea of inclusion, right? We got to include everyone. And while that concept sounds very nice to our ears, what does that mean? Why is including everyone something that we ought to do and what that means when we have a scripture that is clear to say, yes, we need to include everyone, but not to just accept and affirm what they believe, but to show them what the truth is. And that's where we as a church sometimes get in trouble, right? Because we're preaching something that says, hey, we ought to be different. We're not going to be like everybody else. We want to be different. Now, we can misplace our worship then. But again, he's saying, you put up with that so easily. Like, it's, it's normal to you. You just hang out. You just do it. It's, it's not a big deal when they are saying things that go against the clear teachings of Scripture. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is not talking about, like, the small issues, the, the small deals. He's talking about, like, the big uh, theological concepts. We're talking about the deity of Jesus. Talking about whether, whether, you know, whether faith is required for salvation. Things that the apostles will come and preach but truly, when you will look at the life of the apostles, the super apostles, the fake ones, if you will, truly they were doing it for financial gain. They were saying, hey, I'll, I'll come and I preach to you, but you got to pay me something. Hey, I'll come and I'll heal your family, but you have to give me something. We still see that today. We have people on TV that are preaching the name of Jesus, right? And if you send them $10, guess what? Your whole life is going to get better, right? But it's not true. And, and we as Christians, we should not put up easily with that. we got to be able to understand because worship to God demands rejection. we got to reject something that is not from God. We all worship something, and you can choose who you're going to give your time, your money, your passion, and more, but you cannot avoid worshiping something or someone. About a year ago, I was on a trip, 
And, and as I was going, I was on Uber, 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 uh, on an Uber to an airport. Uh, and as I was, you know, talking to the the guy, the driver, I asked him, "Hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Do you believe in anything?" And he's like, "No, I don't believe in anything." It's like, "Well, hold on, that's a belief in itself. You saying that you don't believe in anything means that you believe that you don't believe, and so that's kind of contradictory. We all believe in something." And he's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I guess I do believe in something, right? It's like, yes, of course, we all believe in something. We all have a belief. Yesterday, we were at Pioneers Plaza, Pioneer Square. Square, close. Uh, and, and I was talking to Tyler, a guy I just met, and I asked him, hey, what do you believe? And his uh, response, which I've heard over and over, is, you know, I, I believe that there's a higher power. I believe that there's a God up there. I just don't know about Jesus being the one. It's like, why, why don't you believe that? It's like, well, I just don't know if, if the Bible has been translated correctly. And he has some objections. And as we're talking, I could see that while he believed in something, he just hadn't committed yet. Because I was okay, hold on, you're not a Christian. There was a Christian thing going on. They were singing some songs. And, and I was like, so are you with them? It's like, not necessarily. I'm, I just kind of walk with Christians. And it's like, what does that mean? Like, why do you walk with Christians So you're not a Christian? He's like, well, it's because I, don't, I just don't know all of it. It's like, okay, so you're not committed. Why are you not committed? And the reality is that he may have many, many reasons why he's not committed yet. But ultimately, for you, are you committed? Are you all the way in? And if you're not, why not? Why are you worshiping instead of the one true God that we claim from the scriptures? Now, again, I've had several conversations with atheists, with people that don't believe in God. And one of the, the objections that I often hear people say is this. They say, well, you know what? I just cannot believe in a God that fill in the blank. I just cannot believe in a God that would allow this. I just cannot believe in a God that would say this. I just cannot believe in a God fill in the blank. But that's the thing. When I often hear that, I realize that people believe in a God different from the God that I believe in. Because, like, yeah, I don't believe in a God that will do that either. But in fact, we've got to learn the character of God because God is worth worshiping. And here's where we get in trouble. We get in trouble when we have an idea of God that is not accurate, right? We might think that God is this, this uh, monster from the Old Testament that will kidnap, kill everyone just because he wasn't in a good mood. That's probably more like Greek mythology. If you've ever seen Greek mythology, you know, Zeus created people because he was bored, and then they just play with people, and they destroy people, and they, they marry people, and they do it's just a mess, right? Greek mythology is just a mess. And sometimes we mesh the God of the Bible and the gods of Greek mythology. Or even we, we mesh the God of the Bible and, and the, the gods of Egypt, if you will. Again, I was talking to Tyler yesterday, and, and that's why he says, that, well, you know, the, the serpent in the Bible represents Osiris from Egypt. And I'm like, pretty sure it doesn't, you know? But he's, he's gotten to that conclusion based on the things that he's read. So the God that he believes, my friend Tyler I met yesterday, and the God that I believe in, while we both claim it to be God, it's not the same God. And therefore, how do we find out who God is? The scriptures. That's why at the beginning we say we've got to place high value on this. Because yes, if I go read this book and then I also go read you know, uh, the, 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 uh, and it's a Muslim text, if I go read a Buddhist text, I can go ahead and read a lot of different things. But just because I do that to mean that they're true. At some point, you've got to commit and say, what is the thing that is truly true? If the Bible is the one, which I believe it is, mm -hmm. this is the one that teaches you the character of God. You're able to see, okay, I don't understand it. I may not agree with it. But if this is what I believe, I need to come to grips 
to the reality of the character of God is true. And therefore, worship to this God, not to the God that I create in my own mind, not to the God that I wanted it to be, but the God that it is. And that's why it's so important for us as Christians to not wait for, for us to be given scripture, for us, not wait for us to be told what the scripture says, but for us to make an effort and make time to understand what scripture says on our own. Be able to study and understand it on our own as we gather with other believers, but even on our own time, worship not only demands devotion to God, but also demands rejection of what God is not. Worship to God demands that we reject worship to things that are not worth worshiping. But when we begin to understand who God is, there is no option but to worship Him. And that's really what I come to the conclusion is, when I understand the God of the Bible, I like, yeah, He is worth worshiping. Yeah, there might be some, some things in the Old Testament that I still, I'm still working to understand, but that doesn't take away the fact that He's worth worshiping. Yeah, there might be some rules in the New Testament that are carried to our morality today that, that are hard and are against what culture says, but he's worth worshiping. He's not just worth singing songs. He's worth living a lifestyle that agrees with what the scripture says because our placement of worship reveals what matters most in our hearts. Okay, number three, worship to God demands expression. Uh, that only demands devotion, demands rejection, but also demands expression. If you jump a few verses down, uh, verse 12 says, this is Paul con continuing to talk, I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Here's where things get very complicated, right? Because nowadays we have people saying, no, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing a good thing. I have the right motives. I, I, I love Everyone, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fair to everyone. You might have people saying the right things. Then how do we know who's right? right? I don't know about you, but uh, especially the last few years with COVID, you probably experienced that. I know I did. It's like, I don't know who to believe. Like, people are saying a bunch of things. Everybody's saying something. And, and nobody agrees, right? Who do I believe? How do I find out the truth? And ultimately, what I've learned from scriptures and what Paul is saying here is, how do you know who's right? How do you know who is true? You got to look at their expression, how they live their lives. I don't mean expression as lifting your hands and singing out loud. That's not what I meant. We're not talking about music here. We're talking about lives. So your expression of life, the way that you live day in and day out, is truly going to tell us whether what you believe is something you're committed to or not. That's what I love for you. You say, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, guys. I've been doing this for many years. I, was, I used to persecute the church. I used to kill uh, because you will follow Jesus. Now I'm willing to die because I follow Jesus. I, I used to say, y'all are, you know, y'all don't get it. You're wrong. But now I've learned that what, my life means everything. The way that I live means everything. And then he says this phrase at the end. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now, if you read the Bible for about two minutes you'll figure out that this, this idea is pretty consistent, that God is just, 
And he's going to pay us <laughs> respecting or according to what we've done. And, and that's why following Jesus is so important. Because when Jesus, when you, you accept the sacrifice of Jesus, now you're going to be a judge according to what Jesus did, not what you did. Because if I'm judged by what I did, man, I'm, I'm in a bad, bad, really bad spot. But that's what I'm saying. He's saying, hey, keep living your life in a way that gives glory to God. Worship God by expressing day to day, by living a life that is consistent. I love what Pastor Matt and his wife are doing here. And you said it yesterday, we were having a small orientation. And Pastor Matt said, you know, Sundays here in Portland are not, you know, the, the biggest day, right? We come from Bible Belt, and so Sunday is a huge deal. Everybody goes to church. You got to go to church, right? If you don't want to, your parents will make you go to church. Whereas here in Portland, you don't, you don't have to, right? The culture is telling you, you don't have to come on Sunday. You can probably go do something else. You can go hike, go find a dog. There's dogs everywhere here. Uh, you can go do that and go on a hike, right? But the way that you express your worship matters. You choosing to be here on a Sunday matters. You choosing to, to, to live your life at work in a way that is different from culture matters. Because ultimately, your actions is going to speak louder than just your words. We've been said that before. So worship is more than a song. Now, the ultimate expression of worship in our lives is our day-to-day. And who you worship determines what you do. Who you worship determines what you do. If you worship yourself, guess what? You're the most important person, right? So your schedule matters more. Your needs matter more. Your plans matter more. But if you worship God, if you say, God, you are the most important person, your life will change. And that's something that I consistently, I've been a Christian for about 15 years-ish or so. And, and it's still, I'm like, I have to consistently be careful because I can so easily misplace my worship. I can so easily say, God, you've been so good to me, but I want to do my own thing. God, I, I've seen your faithfulness, but I think I know better on this one. I still do it. I think, I, I know your plans are often pretty good, but I think on this one, what if, what if we do this, God? And guess what? No matter how often I try, how often I do, my plans are never better because what I worship determines what I do. And when I begin to do my own thing, I begin to fail. Amen. Now, I'm going to end with this. And again, if you heard the story before, you're familiar. But can anybody tell me uh, what, what this story reminds you of? Anybody? Uh, someone coming out from the clouds. Okay, someone's coming out from the clouds. Okay, yes. Um... Remember his name, but um, one of the followers of Jesus um, goes up to a mountain. I can't remember the name of the mountain either, and then brings down these templates with the the rules of Aaron. Aaron, close. Moses, that's good. We're almost there. We're almost there. Okay, so the pastors' kids, good job, guys. All right. So yes, now obviously this is just an artistic depiction. So. This is, that doesn't mean that this is how it looked like. I just want to give you a picture of it. And it's, yeah, it is Moses and the tablets. So if you go to Exodus chapter uh, 24, Exodus chapter 24, I want you to notice this. You know, the Bible says that the Israelites were at the bottom of the mountain, if you will. And then God, which again, just a depiction. It doesn't mean that this is God with like things on his eyes. We don't know that. But just a depiction, right? God calls up Moses. Let me read this for you. This is in scripture. Exodus 24, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments I have written for their instruction. 
Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up to the mountain to God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Don't miss that part. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the clouds as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, this is verse 24. Let me see if I can paint a timeline here for you. Because what the scripture tells us, and what I like this picture, is you can see the glory of God, right? The Bible says that the Israelites were at the bottom of the mountain, and they could see the glory of God because it looked like a consuming fire, right? I mean... We're pretty close to California, right? So when we, there were fires, I'm pretty sure you guys were affected by it, right? You can see some smoke. I don't know if you saw the news a few weeks ago of New York, too. Like, New York was like, it was red, right? Because of the smoke coming from Canada. So it was visible. They could see it, right? And then for 40 days and 40 nights, now they didn't know that, right? We, we're seeing it from this end. But you got the Israelites at the bottom of the mountain, the, uh, the mountain and are looking at the glory of God. Now, here's what's cool, interesting. That was verse, or chapter 24 in Exodus. Chapter 32. So if you actually go read from chapter 25 to chapter 31, this is God speaking to Moses, and this is cool, really cool interaction. But while this is happening on top of the mountain, you got millions of people at the bottom of the mountain looking at the glory of God, right? Is that clear? Can I make it any more clear? Now, here's what happens in verse, or chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And so here's what happened, the story of the golden calf, right? So you got to remember this because when I read this, this blew my mind. They are asking Aaron, hey, would you make us God? And think about this, Mount Hood is in the back. Here's the people talking to Aaron. They got the glory of God, just like that, moving. They got the glory of God behind them. They can see it. And they're like, Aaron, uh, can you make us a God? I, I know we have a God right there. Like, we can see it. Like, we know. You know, we've seen miracles. But, but, can you make us something more tangible? Can you make us something that, that I like? I, and what's crazy about the story, again, if you keep reading, you will know that they will gather all the gold that they gathered from Egypt, and they, <laughs> they melted, they make this golden calf, that make a cow, and they're like, we're going to worship this thing now with the glory of God behind them. This is incredible, right? And I'm like, how can you be so, so dumb, right? Like, I mean, come on. The glory of God is right there, and you're like, Aaron, you know what? I don't know where God is. I don't know where Moses is. He's probably dead. It's been, you know, how many days? Can you make us a God? It's crazy. It's so ironic. It's so, it's so dumb, yet we do it all the time. We're like, man, we've seen God move. We've seen God's presence. We know that God is the best way, the right way. And we're like, I, but I just don't feel it today. And I wish I could just have a, a golden calf that I can worship. Something that I've created. Something that I can control. Because that's really what it comes down to, right? If I can control it, I feel that I can do it. If I cannot control it because we cannot control God, 
And, and the reason I'm telling you this is because how often do we do this? We've seen the faithfulness of God, yet we're asking God, we're asking our leaders, we're saying, God, I want my own God that I can worship, that I can control. And what that reminds me is that our placement of worship reveals what matters most in your heart. So that's, that's the question that I have for you today, is what matters most in your heart today? Uh, because I know if I asked my question, this question last week, it was something different. <laughs> something that I was struggling with to say, I really want that instead of, instead of me wanting God. Versus today, it might be something different. And so consistently, I have to devote myself to God. I have to reject my sin, my false ideologies of who God is. And I have to express in the way that I live my worship to God. So where will you place your worship starting today? And where will you place your worship tomorrow? And how about on Tuesday and on Wednesday? And, and 10 years from now, where will you place your worship? Because guess what? You're going to worship something. So enough misplacing worship in less than valuable idols. Don't just create a little cow that you can control. How about you surrender to God who is worth following and worth worshiping? So with that, I want to pray for us. And my hope, again, my prayer is not not telling you this, that I got this figured out. I don't. I consistently try to create my own idols. I consistently want to worship somebody who is not God. But I consistently have to remind myself that no, that's, that's not the best way. The best way is to trust in God and know that his plans are better. Know that he's faithful. And so as I pray, I know the worship team will come and lead us in worship. So will you bow your heads? Will you close your eyes as we pray? Father God, we come before you. We're so thankful. Thankful for your grace. Thankful for your faithfulness. It's so incredible to look at, at the people of Israel in the Old Testament and think, how can they do that? Not realizing that we're just the same like them. We see your faithfulness. We've known you to be working in our lives. Yet, sometimes we want to push the timeline. Sometimes we want to control the outcome. Sometimes we just want to receive the glory even to ourselves. And so, Father, I pray that you'll forgive us. Forgive me. Forgive us for, for trying to usurp, trying to take away the glory that you deserve, trying to build our own uh, idols, knowing that they're so powerless. There's, there's nothing they can offer. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us a heart of humility to surrender before you, knowing that when we place our worship, that determines what we value the most. And would that be you today, Father? Will we, will we place our worship, our lifestyle, the way that we do life day to day in your hands? Not only so that you get the glory in our lives, but you get the glory in the city of Portland. That with our friends, our co-workers, the people that come in in contact with us, sees us, they can realize that our worship is placed in the right location to the one who deserves it all. Father, as we worship, will you be glorified? Will you be exalted? Holy Spirit, will you convict our hearts to surrender, to repent, to come to you, and realize that there's nothing better than following you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.